Please help me welcome J. Lauren Norris. I've been working on cars since I was, um, I don't know, 13, 14 years old. Kind of tinkering with them, taking them apart, and, well, sometimes putting them back together. But on many occasions, I've run into the disassembly part that requires a very special tool for a very special application. And without that tool, you're stuck. I mean, you can make something up. In fact, there are a lot of things that you can use something else to do it. But sometimes just the right tool is the only way to get the job done. That's what I want to talk about in this episode of Leading Leaders. I'm Jay Lauren Norris with Leading Leaders Podcast. I remember back in the day as a young man, 9, 10, 11 years old, I would take apart my bicycle and re-grease the back bearings because I would do silly things like play in the sand or try to ride through giant mud puddles and it would drain all the grease out and the chain would get rusty and it'd be hard to pedal. And then when you try to freewheel down the road, you wouldn't go nearly as far, nearly as fast. And when I learned that you could repack the bearings inside the back hub of your bicycle and it would actually be less effort to ride and it would go faster when you were coasting, I made that a regular practice, especially after playing in the sand or the water. But there's this funny little nut on the inside that holds the bearings together and it's a flat nut and it has a lot of threads on it, but it has two slots on either side. And these slots, but it's the only way to turn the nut because it's all the way inside the hub. It's not like you can put a wrench on it. No, you gotta work with it. And if it's been put together properly, it actually is sealed in there really tight, like torqued in. And I learned when I was about 12 years old that the only way to get that nut loose was to use a flathead screwdriver and a hammer and stick it in one of those slots and bang, 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 until the nut started to turn. And then after it turned several times, you could use two screwdrivers and turn it by sticking them in and pushing them in opposite directions. And for many years, that was exactly the way. In fact, the last time I took a bicycle apart, I was probably in my 30s and it was one of my kids' bicycles because they'd ridden it in the water. And we used the same method, a hammer and a flathead screwdriver. I've changed tires and chains and drive shafts on motorcycles as well, and we did a very similar thing. In fact, right now in my toolbox, I know this is there because I saw it Saturday, there is a socket, I believe it's a 5 8 socket, where one end of it is all smashed up. You could not stick that on a ratchet to save your life. Why is it smashed up? Well, if you've ever done U-joints, you know why. Because unless you have the big press, like you might have in a shop where you've got an anvil and a vise to lock it down and you put the drive shaft on the end of there and you use the big hydraulic press to press out the U-joints, well, then you've probably had one laid across the tailgate of your truck and you've got a big 5-8 socket and a sledgehammer and you bang, bang, bang until it comes out of there. Because if you don't have the right tools, you have to innovate. When you don't have the right tools, you have to innovate. Now, I want to contrast that with, I also remember back in the day with uh, black and white televisions and rabbit ears with tinfoil on them. How I, as a six-year-old, was the remote control. And my stepdad would say, change that channel, fix that signal, make that come in better. And my job was to stand there. And, and there were times that literally he was trying to watch a news report or a game. And I would move the antenna just so, but the minute I let go of it, the signal would go away. 
And he would say, why don't you just stand there until the news is over? And literally, he would expect me to stand there holding the rabbit ears, one foot in the air, tongue out, because that's exactly how we got the signal. And I became the remote control and the tool to get the better signal. See, sometimes the right tool is absolutely essential. And when you don't have the right tool, for lack of a better term, you make stuff up. And when you, when you have to make stuff up, sometimes you innovate, you improvise, you find a workaround, you get creative, you get original. See, I'm, I'm kind of concerned that we've reached a point in our evolutionary history of humanity that too many leaders are relying on tools to do a job that they couldn't do without the tool. I remember when I was taking trigonometry in my electronics engineering class and I would come home and my uncle would say, I would promise you that no matter how fast you are on your calculator, even though it's calculating your tangents and your cosines for you, give me a slide rule and give me one of your lengthy problems and I'll have an accurate answer faster than you will have. Now, I dare say because I was never taught to use a slide rule. I dare say there's probably not a young person alive today that could identify a slide rule out of a box of tools. I, in the same way that there are very few that if you said, give me a protractor versus a compass, could distinguish the two. Or know how to use one to understand what pi r square means. Because the calculator, the computer, the Ask Siri has become so popular and so fast. I was with a coaching client for four hours yesterday. There were three or four occasions where we were in the midst of preparing a speech and the content of the speech required specific dates or understandings. And both of us had a recall and it wasn't the same. And so what do we do? We asked the phone and the phone gave us an answer and both of us were wrong. Well, that's not an easy thing to do. I mean, I do have encyclopedias right here in the library. We could have looked it up that way, but to ask the phone is just so much easier. Here's the question though. What happens when the reliance on the phone to answer the question replaces your willingness to study? What happens when your reliance on the digital technology takes away your originality, your authenticity? your innovation. I, I've been on calls recently where coaches have recommended that we use AI to write the content of our coaching sessions. Use AI to write the content of our master classes, of our books. That concerns me a little bit. It makes me wonder just how effective can your coaching process be? Just how effective are you at understanding the knowledge? See, one of the challenges with using AI to create that content is that if you have a thinker for a client and they start asking you questions about it, you might be in trouble. Now, I know that there are some tools that the way the tool functions is so simplistic. What it does is phenomenal. My 
My son bought these little blue things recently. I'd never seen them before. I've never used one before. Apparently, they're necessary to relieve the pressure of this new fancy shark bite style fuel line. So if you're replacing a fuel filter in a newer car or a fuel rail, which is what we were dealing with this weekend, you've got to have this little blue tool. It looks like it looks like a pencil holder that's been cut down the middle. And so it's about two inches long and it has a round uh, piece on it that sticks up about half an inch and you pull it in half and now you've got two semicircles and you stick it around the fuel line and it clamps back together and you push up on it and it goes inside the receiving part of the fuel line to release what you cannot see. Without that tool, you're not getting that fuel line off of there. It's not going to happen without breaking it. Because when you pull it backwards without that tool to release the springs on the inside, you're going to destroy the springs on the inside. Now you're replacing the whole fuel line because it's a molded fashioned part. You can't just unscrew it. When I was a kid, you just used two different... When I was in my 30s, you used two different wrenches. You turned them two different ways. The, the nuts were interlaced and one with reverse threads. That's how you took a fuel line off. Now, without that little plastic tool... Oh, and by the way, the plastic tool comes in a set. You can't buy one of them because, of course, there's different sizes fuel lines, right? And so you got to buy 10 of them, even though you only need one of them. And the 10 of them is 20 bucks. I mean, it's a plastic tool. You could literally make it on your 3D printer. Wait, who has 3D printers? A lot of people got 3D printers now, but you got to have the right size to get it to fit inside that fuel line. See, that's an innovation. And, and that tool is absolutely essential for doing that job. The question is, if you didn't have the tool, what's the workaround? If you didn't have the understanding What's the solution? I also rewatched an old movie. I think it was 2011, 2012 that uh, Limitless came out. Great movie. Talks about a, a little pill that he would take that would speed up his learning process and the synapses in his brain would, would continually fire and he was 10 times smarter and 10 times faster. He wrote an entire book in a week. His achievements, his accomplishments were incredible. His ability to understand the stock market and mergers and acquisitions and relationships. Incredible. Off the charts. Everybody loved him. But the minute the tool, the pill, wore off, faded away, was absorbed in the bloodstream, he was not just back to normal, he was less than normal. He went from being an average guy to a complete knucklehead. Now, what happens when your coach, your mentor, your business advisor, your financial advisor is relying on AI and you ask a question when they don't have access to the AI? Will they actually have the understanding of what they're teaching you? Will your leaders be able to lead without the assistance of these tools? Imagine being a I don't know, a Navy SEAL team or a SWAT team or a bunch of Boy Scouts out in the woods without the aid of your GPS on your phone. Can you find West? Do you know how to get home? Do you know how far you've journeyed? Any idea what your speed and your rate and your time might equate to as far as distance is concerned? See, all of these things are, are imperative learnings. Uh, you absolutely must know these very basics. 
what does it mean that the sun always rises in the east? Does that matter? Well, now I've got a GPS on my phone. I know how to get there. Okay. Do you know the street names between here and there? If, if your phone died halfway there, can you still get back? See, these are problems that plague us every day because we've learned to rely on our tools. And because we've learned to rely on our tools, we've become lazy. Sorry to say it, it's just true. Now, there's a place where, like I said, that, that little fuel line tool, it's a $2 piece of plastic that you could make on any 3D printer. It's not super sophisticated, <clears throat> but you can't live without it if you're replacing fuel lines. You're not getting them off there any other way. I mean, I guess if you knew <clears throat> the shape of the springs up underneath that fuel line, you might be able to get up under there with a tiny screwdriver or a pecan pick and push those springs up to be able to get it just like you would pick a lock. But that tool is gonna make your life a whole lot easier. And if you replace multiple fuel lines or fuel rails or fuel filters a day, that tool is essential to your productivity. But see, that's what tools are made for. Not to make you lazy, but to make you more productive, more efficient, more practical use of your time. But when we reach the place where we rely on the tool, we give up on our innovations. We forget that there were workarounds before the tool existed. Oh, I know, there are, there are tools and processes that were created together as a sales pitch. Yeah, they really were. I mean, there are things that should not be as complicated as they are <clears throat> that somebody looked at it and went, if we do this, we guarantee income for ourselves. If you think I'm kidding, try to work on any modern car. It used to be you could literally get to just about any part in the car under the hood if it wasn't internal to the motor. 45 minutes. Alternator, water pump, fan belts, fan blades, cooling, blower motor, anything. Under an hour. Nowadays, my son and I replaced the serpentine belt on my wife's car on the side of the road because that's where it broke. Tensioner pulley and a serpentine belt. Five hours. Five hours. And the majority of what we replay, what we had to take off, remove, set aside, and then put back and reassemble had absolutely nothing to do with the serpentine belt. It just so happened that the engineers who designed the car put them in the way of replacing the serpentine belt. That's not innovation. That's not simplicity. That's manufactured job security. It's exactly what that is. Well, we did that because we knew it would make it more complicated. The little car we were working on this weekend, there are seven plastic parts that have to be removed, panels, covers, they do nothing. They do absolutely nothing. But they have to be removed to be able to work on the fuel rail, which really only has two bolts in it. But if you take that to the dealership, that's guaranteed income for them because that's now a two-hour job because it takes so long to get all those parts off that have nothing to do with what you're doing. Some would call it redundancy. Some would call it manufactured drama. We see that in the human relationships too, right? The tools that we use in human relationships like DISC or the, 
the animals, or the color wheel, or strength finders. These tools that we use to be able to understand each other better. They're tools. They're not meant to take over. They're not meant to do the job for you. You're not meant to use a DISC assessment to determine the full outcome of your relationship with someone or how you're going to sell them or how you're going to talk to them. Because I'll tell you, there are many of us. My score on the DISC, every time I've taken that assessment, is almost even. All four areas. Depends on the day you catch me in. Depends on who I'm talking to. I'm sure I have a predominant portion of the DISC assessment, but the numbers are really, really close every time I've taken the test. What do you do with somebody like that? What do you do when you encounter somebody like that and you're trying to find the, the tool overlay to look at them and go, well, they fit like this. I, I tell people when it comes to storytelling all the time, if you take a muffin pan and you fill that muffin pan with blueberry mix, you're going to get, yes, blueberry muffins. And if you fill it with pancake mix, you're going to get, well, pancake muffins. And if you fill it with cornbread mix, you're going to get cornbread muffins. And if you fill it with spaghetti and meatballs, you're going to get spaghetti and meatball muffins. Why? Because the tool doesn't know how to make anything else. The muffin pan, it makes muffins. It doesn't care about the ingredients you put in it. It's a tool. It does what it's supposed to. It makes muffins. It's like the guy who was selling the mushrooms. He said it's not real complicated. They're mushrooms. They're for sale. What else do you need to know? It's an organic product. It grows right out of the ground. We put them in a package. We sell them. They mushrooms. They for sale. That's it. That's the end of the conversation. But see, sometimes we use these tools to overcomplicate the process. Or we use these tools and we become lazy and we forget that our originality is what people want. I've had coaching clients that have come to me and said, well, so-and-so does what you do cheaper. Okay, go work with them. Yeah, but they can't do what you do. Do you understand what you just said? What you want from me is originality. What you want from me is authenticity. What you want from me is unique to me. If, if you just want to buy based on the price, then go buy based on the price. But if you want something that I have that's unique to me, there's a price for that. But see, if I learn to rely on AI to write my content, I, it's one thing to use it for processes. I get that. To, to streamline a process. I'm fine with that. I use a switcher to streamline the process because my video switcher allows me to change cameras in the middle of the talk without having to go back later and edit and merge and download three different video streams and put them all into one place. No, I just push the button on the switcher and it does that for me. I use a mixer to control the audio that comes into the switcher so that my microphone, this one right here, is as loud in the system as I want it to be. Tools made to do the technology, but if those tools took over and I couldn't do a show without them, but I have, I, I've picked up my cell phone and done a show without all the cameras in the switcher. I've done it on the move. I did it for years before I bought all this equipment. Tools are made to make your life easier, not to do the job for you. Tools are made to make your life more productive, more efficient, not to replace you. When you reach the point that the tool has replaced you, Time for you to innovate again and move on to something else. If the tool is replacing you, then everybody just needs to hire the tool and not hire you.
It's kind of like that old phrase, when, when you realize that everything about it is free, then you are the product. At some point, you become the tool. Not the resource, not the talent, just the tool. If you don't want to be a tool, if you want to remain relevant, valuable as a leader, then remain authentic, original, transparent. That's what's going to make you a valuable leader. Innovate. Understand there are workarounds for everything. When there's not an AI to write your content, to write your reels for you, when there's not AI to create the shortcuts, to create every script so that you can read it right off the teleprompter, what then? What will you be as an offering? What content do you have in your heart and your head? What have you lived through that you can tell me about? When you're stuck in the woods and you don't have your cell phone, how do you decide where the north and the south are? How do you know which way to go to get back home? How do you know to, where to go next? Can you read the clouds and tell when a storm is coming? How resourceful are you when the tools aren't there to be your resource? That's what people really want to know about their leadership. And go back to Saving Private Ryan. While they were looking for the private, they realized their lieutenant had no more military or war experience than they did. He just had a degree, and that's why he became an officer. And as an officer, he became their leader. And as their leader, he was responsible for making good decisions, for following orders from above and giving orders to his team to keep them alive. They trusted him. He was a dentist. He was a dentist. Never been to war college, never went to West Point, knew nothing about battle. He was a dentist. What do you do as a leader in a role like that? Well, you better learn fast. You're also probably going to have to realize that your drill isn't going to do you any good out here. Everything you know about dental hygiene, unimportant. We are now in a field where your common sense, your innovation, your originality, your authenticity, that's your value. Can you be real with the people around you? Is there something in you that when we squeeze, it comes out and it's of value? That's what they want to know. That's why we rely on our leaders. And we trust them in a time of trouble to come up with good ideas because they've done their homework. They've researched. They own this information. Take away all the resources. Take away all the tools. They're going to figure it out. I've watched my uncles and my grandfather do things with bailing wire that I would have thought absolutely impossible, including, it's no exaggeration, setting the timing after the, distribu the distributors were moved from a 67 Impala. He set the timing by recentering the distributor inside the engine block with bailing wire. Watched him do it myself. Then he taught me how. Bailing wire. There's an answer for everything. There's a workaround for everything, even when you don't have the right tool. But don't let the tool make you a tool. Don't become so dependent on the tool that you can't do it on your own. Leaders need to be original, authentic, innovative. And if you're relying on the tool to do your job for you, those things aren't true. I'm Jay Lauren Norris with Leading Leaders Podcast for Tell It Like It Is TV. Have a blessed day.
Warren is a master teacher on storytelling, and I learned so much. Um, I'm really going to have to sit down and go back through everything, and I think I might have to have some more coffees with Warren, but uh, it was totally worth my time, and I really highly recommend it if you're looking to grow your ministry, grow your business, uh, grow your career. Uh, Lauren will serve you well. Thank you. Subscribe now for our extensive video library of leadership lessons promoting faith, family, and freedom.